enough to challenge us, to sharpen us, God, to correct us, God, to, uh, Lord, uh, at times, God, rebuke us when we need it. And, Lord, we thank you that, God, that your word, it is, it's corrective, it's, God, it's encouraging, and it's uplifting. And, Lord, we need it all. And, God, we thank you for speaking through your word today. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so um, if you've been following along with us, we've been hitting uh, the toxic series. We're talking about the seven deadly sins. And so here's a list of them. I kinda, we kind of crossed out the ones that we've already done. Uh, we've already talked about lust. We've already talked about greed. That was uh, Pastor Joy last week. Phenomenal message. If you missed it, go on to SoundCloud and, and listen to that. You'll, you'll be encouraged and challenged. Very good. It's very good. Uh, we talked about wrath. We talked about envy, and we talked about pride. So today we're going to talk about dun, da, 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 slothfulness. Uh-oh. Slothfulness. And I just want to say this before we get into this. Um, for the most part, in the city, we have the stigma of poverty and laziness. Do you know that? If you don't live in the city, if you live in the suburbs or the country, there is this stigma. If you live in the city, there's a stigma about us that we are impoverished and that we're lazy. And so the only way that that stigma will change is if people see that there are people that are not lazy and that are not impoverished. And you can live in the city and not be under that stigma. And I just want to say this. This is, this is, gonna, this is a difficult uh, topic. Do you know how you, I don't know if you've ever studied something or you've ever given yourself to something and then you realize, man, there's, there's a lot of that really inside of you that you weren't necessarily aware of. Have you ever had that happen? This was one of those studies where, you know, it's kind of like, you know, you think you kind of got it together and you start digging into it and then it really starts piercing you like, man, you can, you can see a lot of yourself in what you're talking about. So I come, I come before you with grace and knowing that we're going to journey through this, this message together. Is that okay? We're going to journey through this together because it's not just something that I have under my belt and I'm like, you know, I'm going to show you how to do this. It's something that I've realized through the study that man, there's a lot of this stuff. When I, some of these attributes, you'll, you'll probably see too that are inside me still. And I'm like, ouch. So here we go. Another word for slothfulness are lazy, idle, uh, uh, indolent, inactive, sluggish, apathetic, lethargic, or languid. So if you hear that word indolent, that's a big word that either means lazy or a do-nothing. So if you call someone indolent, <laughs> you're a do-nothing. That's kind of a of a more proper way of saying it. And then languid means it's a person that's relaxed, unhurried, or slow. So if you call someone languid, they kind of go at the slow pace. They're unhurried and relaxed. The Bible term for laziness is slothfulness. And when you, and we're, and we'll see that, uh, in, in, in just a moment. And it's kind of a word that we don't really use anymore. It was used a lot back in like between the 1400s and 1800s. Slothfulness is just not a word that we use we use the word laziness, but it's the same thing. It's the same. It means the same thing. Okay. And it's habitual inactivity, a reluctance to work or exert yourself in any way. Sluggishness. The Bible uses this term sluggard. Say this word with me. Say sluggard. Okay. And when we're saying sluggard, we're not talking about somebody who's, who's up to bat. Okay. And he's going to, he, he's a slugger. Okay. Okay. Cause, Cause he can knock it out of the park. Okay. Sluggard. Okay. With a D at the end. 
And, and we're, you'll see because we're, we're going we're gonna to be talking about that here in just a moment. Okay. Doug Wilson says this. I don't know who he is, but I know that, that this quote when I found this was amazing. And this is what he says. He says, laziness is a sin in which men and boys are naturally prone. Therefore, if we hope to lead our wives and families, we as men must constantly combat the sin of laziness. Not that women can't be lazy too, but for men, we have this, this natural prone of inactivity of being lazy. And, and why, and where does that come from? Well, because actually when we go all the way back to the beginning in Genesis chapter three, friends, when we were created perfect, how many of us know that when God created us, we were perfect? Because God created everything and He said what? It was good. So when He created man, He said it was good. And He gave us a job. Does anybody know what our job was? Our job was, yeah, okay, we named all the animals and then He gave specific, He gave a specific job requirement for man and women. And what did he tell them to do? He told them to tend the garden. So in the beginning, there was this job, there was this work that man and women were called to do. And they were called to take care of the garden. And then we know the fall. So after the fall, part of the curse is by the sweat of your brow, will you produce for yourself? And then, you know, and then the the curse upon the woman. So a part of the curse you know, so when we were created, work was enjoyable. Part of the curse makes work un- unpleasant. So if you have a job that you don't like to do, you can just go ahead and blame Adam and Eve on that because it was their fault in the first place. No, but for the most part, okay, God created us to tend the garden and he created us to walk with us. He created us for two things. He created us to work and he created us for fellowship. He created us to take care of the garden, and the Bible said that he would walk in the cool of the day with Adam and Eve. So he created us to fellowship with him and to take care of of his stuff. Sounds like a pretty pretty good job, I think. Okay. And then how how many of us know that, you know, and then we kind of move on here, moving forward here now, you know, New Testament style. How many of you guys have ever heard this before? Okay, we use this. We've said this numerous times. If you've ever been in a church setting, you probably have heard this. You'll even finish it. Watch. If you don't work... You don't eat. Where's that found? That's found in Second Thessalonians chapter three, verse ten. And this is what uh, this is what Paul is telling uh, uh, Thessalonica. He's telling them for even when we were with you, we commanded you this: if anyone will not work, neither shall he eat. So that's kind of. But I'm bringing that up because uh, there's this quote that I want to bring because it kind of brings things into more of a perspective in our day. And man, when I read this one, this was the one that was the, the ouch. I read this, I was like, ooh, it was like one of those stingers. You ever get one of those stingers? And this was it. This was found uh, by Rodney. Rodney Christman said this. Don't know who this guy is, but again, this is just a great quote. It says, as Americans, we don't work to eat. We work to entertain ourselves. We are addicted to entertainment and leisure to the level of idolatry. Ouch. The scripture says, if you don't work, you don't eat. In America, we work to what? To live the, to live the good life. To get better stuff, to work so that we can eventually retire. So I think what he said is, it's, it's quite right to, to our society and to our time that we don't work to eat, we work to entertain ourselves. When I read that, I was like, oh, ouch. Ah. One person says this, it says, laziness is a lifestyle for some, but a temptation for all. 
So for some, they live the lifestyle of laziness, where others, it's a temptation. When we study Proverbs, the Bible says a few different things about lazy people. The Bible says that a lazy person, that they hate work, that they love sleep, that they give excuses, that they waste time and energy, and that they believe that they're wives, but really they're fools. Lazy people. They hate work. They're the ones that always complain about work. Oh, I gotta go to work. They love sleep. They give excuses. When I think of giving excuses, you know, if there's perhaps, uh, maybe there's a quota for somebody to meet at their job or maybe, maybe they're a student and they're not performing to their abilities, but there's always some reason why they can't do that. Well, it's my boss. It's this person I work with. It's this working environment. It's the teacher. It's the homework. It's the book. It's the school. It's whatever. So the person that really has lazy tendencies will have excuses for not performing at the level of excellence. So give excuses. A lazy person will find themselves wasting time and energy. Wasting time and energy. And then finally, lazy people, uh, they believe they're wise, but really they're fools. These are all, all these are biblical, all these are biblical, biblically found in, in the book of Proverbs. Book of Proverbs, when I studied it, it had tons and tons and tons and tons and tons of scriptures about laziness or about slothfulness. But, and I do want to, I'm going to, we're going to read some of these, uh, but I didn't put all of them. I got maybe five or six of them. I just want to read just to give us kind of a con, a context of what Proverbs says about people that are slothful or people that are sluggards as it words. So we're going to kind of go through some of these so you can follow along uh, if you're following with us uh, through version, or you can just go ahead and uh, keep your eye, your attention on the screens because we're going to go through these. We're not going to uh, uh, waste a bunch of time staying at them, but I'm just going to kind of read a few of these here. Proverbs chapter 19 verse 15 uh, says this. It says, slothfulness cast into a deep sleep and an idle person will suffer hunger. Proverbs chapter 24, verse 30 through 34 says, says, I passed by the field of the sluggard, by the vineyard of the man lacking sense, and behold, it was all overgrown with thorns, and the ground was covered uh, with needles, and its stone was broke, was all broken down. Excuse me, the stone wall was all broken down. Then I saw it and considered it, and looked and received instruction. So basically, he went by somebody's house that had their, their grass all the way up to, to, to their nose, and, and they learn from, from this person's field. That's what they're saying. You get it? Anybody ever, ever walk through South Toledo and see somebody's grass all the way past their, 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 uh, their, their blinds on their, on their, you know, they don't need window blinds because the grass is covering up. They don't need curtains. <laughs> it says, then I saw and considered it and looked and received instruction. <laughs> this is what he, a little sleep, a little slumber, a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come upon you like a robber, and want like an armed man. Wow, huh? Proverbs, man, you want to get wisdom, you want to have instruction. Proverbs will get you. I'm telling you every time. Proverbs chapter twenty, verse four says this: "It says the sluggard, say sluggard. Doesn't it just sound like a fun word?" Sluggard. Sluggard. It just sounds weird. Sluggard. Right. I know. It's like, it doesn't even, it's not even like a nice name, is it? 
I mean, it doesn't even sound, I mean, to me, it's like calling somebody like an idiot or a buffoon or a dummy. You just call them a sluggard. I mean, it just got that, that bad connotation to it. You're like, oh man, I don't want to be a sluggard, right? The, <laughs> the sluggard does not plow in the autumn. He will seek at harvest and have nothing. So a lot of, a lot of what Proverbs is going to be talking about is talking about a person's performance and then what they will receive in the end. That's one of them. Verse, uh, or chapter 21, verse 25 says, the desire of the sluggard kills him for his hand refuses to labor. So he's saying his own desires are going to be the one that destroys him. Proverbs chapter 13, verse 4 says this. It says, the soul, say soul. So the, so their desire, the soul of the sluggard craves and gets nothing. So they're lazy. They want, 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 but they don't get it. And then it says, the hands of the diligent makes rich. Or excuse me, I just totally like mix both these two together. The soul of the sluggard craves and gets nothing, while the soul of the diligent is richly supplied. Okay? So you want a rich supply? Friends, there's diligence involved. It means we got to apply ourselves. Verse uh, Chapter 10, verse 4 says this. It says, a slack hand causes poverty, but the hand of the diligent makes rich. So, you know, just kind of, I mean, there's so many scriptures on poverty and impoverished. And, and my wife and I, we have lived, I've lived in impoverishedness. I've lived in poverty for almost 40 years. I'm not a part of it, but I live in there, okay? Since from North Toledo all the way to South Toledo. So, yeah, where the Bible says, it says you live in the world, but you are not of the world. Friends, when I committed my life to Christ, before that, I had an impoverished mindset. But, but when I, when I committed my life to Christ and realized the life and what he's called me to, then friends, then, then that lifestyle of laziness and sluggardness and poverishness, it doesn't have a part of me, but it's, but I'm telling you what, when you're living in it, it will always try to attack you. It will. So, so if you are living in an area of poverty, friends, poverty will always try. It's a strong uh, demonic principality over South Toledo. That's why so many people are impoverished. The hands of the the slack hand of poverty, okay, but the hand of the diligent. Proverbs chapter fifteen verse nineteen says this: it "says the way of the sluggard is like the hedge of thorns, but the path of the upright is like a level highway." And then this is my absolute very favorite. It, I'm reminded of this because of the fact that anytime spring happens, we seem to have a few of these around the house. Then I got to go buy some traps. And this is what it says here. Proverbs chapter 6, verse 6. It says, go to the ant, O sluggard. Consider her ways and be wise. Ants are always working. They're always diligent. They're always storing up for later. Okay? They're hard workers. So he says, look at the ant, the one that you can stomp, the one that you can, you know, buy traps for and get them out of your house. This is one of my absolute favorite verses when it comes to uh, thinking about uh, applying myself and, and poverty and slothfulness and laziness. And it's Ecclesiastes chapter 9, verse 10, and this is what it says. It says, whatever you find your hands to do, come on, somebody needs to get excited about this. Do it with all of your might. 
For there is no work or thought or knowledge or wisdom in Sheol to which you are going. Basically saying, you know what? When you're gone, you're gone. You can't, you can't add any more to it. So while you're here, while you have the ability, work with all your might. Do it with all you've got. Whatever you find your hands to do. So they didn't say, look at your neighbor and compare your work with their work. It says, no, do it with all your might. Do it with all that you have. Friends, if we have lazy tendencies, we'll find ourselves a few different things. We'll find ourselves having some of these tendencies. We'll find ourselves trying to find the easy way out. Uh-oh. And you know what? I'm just going to pause there for a moment because even in, 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 in the church, we can try to find ourselves the easy way out as well. The more I've matured in Christ, the more I've realized that sometimes the Lord has me go through trials and storms because that's exactly where he wants me. Sometimes our prayers can be prayers of escapism. Lord, get me out of this storm. Lord, get me out of this bind. Lord, get me out of this. When the Lord wants you in there because he's trying to develop something in you through that, and yet we want to always find the easy way out. Friends, that's something, uh, as we mature in Christ, we need to realize there are times God can rescue and restore, and he can pull you out of the storm just like he did when he calmed the storm when they were crying. And then there's times, friends, that he wants us to step out of the boat in the storm. He doesn't want to calm the storm. He wants our faith to rise up in the storm. So when we're always trying to find the easy way out, how are we ever going to have our faith built or our spiritual muscles get stronger? Here it is. Uh Uh-oh. Friends, if we have lazy tendencies, we'll find ourselves giving minimal requirement or another word that we like to call it bare minimum. So even we can even do that in our spiritual walk. Okay, I got my 15 minutes of reading. Boom, done. Got it done. Now I'm going to go on with about my day. We can find ourselves doing that at our job if we have a quota. Okay, I met my quota, boom, and now I'm just going to go ahead and go into neutral for the rest of the period. Friends, giving minimal requirement does not honor God because excellence honors God and reflects his character. He gave his very best for us, and I believe as followers of Christ, we should be the absolute best people in our workplace. We should be the best people in our neighborhoods, not because we have this because we're, we're trying to be better, but because, friends, we have the kingdom of God. We have Jesus that is living inside of us, and we should be reflecting that with all that we do. But sometimes we find ourselves giving the smallest possible quality, fulfilling the smallest quota, or but it's still, and that's what that means, bare minimum or minimal requirement means. It means you give the smallest portion possible, but it's still adequate. It's adequate. But you're not giving your best. I'm, I'm glad that Jesus didn't say, you know what, why don't you love me with some of your heart, some of your soul, some of your mind, some of your strength. Because many of us would at that time probably give bare minimum. But he says to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all of your soul, all of your mind, all of your strength. That's everything. And then finally, I already talked about this, giving excuses. You know, we, we like to do that. And then being wasteful. I already talked about that. I didn't realize I did that twice. That's kind of funny. Matthew chapter 25, this is one of the parables, uh, Matthew chapter 25, uh, verse 14 through 13, talks about the parable of the talents. And this is one of the parables, when I read it, it's one of the parables that scares me to death. It really does. Because, uh, uh, and, I, and I'll go ahead and I'll share, I'll share it real quick, um, kind of the, the Josh Hester rendition of it. So there was this master, and he had these three servants, and he gave one servant five talents. Okay, talent is a, is a bag of money. It's amount of money. It's as in the picture. He gave one 
two talents, and he gave one one talent. And so he sent them along. They went and did their stuff. He went to it. He went and had a journey. Came back, and he came to collect what his servants, what he gave for his servants. So he went to the one who had five talents, and the servant said, "Master, see, I, you've given me five talents. I produced five more for you. Here, this is yours." And what did? Okay, this is a parable. It's a it's a physical story meant for a spiritual application. What did what did the master say? He said, "Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with little. Here's much more. Come receive your master's happiness." Or come and you know that's yeah one translation will say. Same thing. So the one with two talents came. He said, "Look, master, you've given me two. I'll give you two more." And what did he say to the one with two, who gave two more? He said the exact same thing. Well done, good and faithful servant. The one that had two talents and the one that had five talents, it didn't matter. They got the same reward. But then the one that had one talent, he said, I know that you're a harsh man. I know that you do all these things. I was afraid, fear. So I went and I buried that which you gave me. Here it is. I'm giving it back to you. What did he say? Two, two words that are, that are, I'm telling you, these words, are, they're, they're scary. See, he said it in verse 20, uh, verse 26. He said, you wicked and lazy servant. Wicked and lazy. Called him wicked. He was a servant. He was doing what his master asked him to do. He was a part of the service. But yet he buried that which was given to him. And he called him wicked and lazy. And then it goes on to say this. Okay, it said, you know, take the talents from him. And it says, throw that servant, and it called him this, worthless servant, into the outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So the person that was a part of the fold and didn't do what they were called to do was called wicked, lazy, and worthless. But yet they were a servant. And so that's some, when I, when I read stuff like that, that's the stuff that kind of gets me with those deep cuts. Because friends, it, sometimes we, we can attribute, uh, being, being a, a, a worker or being a, um, a person that, that does a lot or a person that's, and the scripture talks about being busybodies. And we can, we can go around and be doing all kinds of stuff. But perhaps that isn't the stuff that we're supposed to be doing. Was it was it Martha or was it Mary that got re, that got rebuked by Jesus? Okay, it was Martha. Martha was doing the work around Jesus. Mary was sitting with Jesus. Okay, and many of us we can do the work around God. We can do the work around the church, but we're not with Him. And that's you know that's where we can that's where it gets kind of scary. Okay, so. This parable has it, it has physical work, but it has again spiritual connotations. So, so when I read a, a passage like this, it kind of reminds me of this. And so, this is what I this is what I ask myself, and this is what I would ask uh, the body of Christ here at Vision today: is friends, how can we handle the things of God if we cannot be faithful handling the things of man? Because that's what happened was the servants were given, uh, were given the ability to handle the things of man. And then what? They inherited the things of God. But they weren't faithful. And there are many people that want to handle the things of God, but yet we're not faithful with the things of man. 
If, we're, if we feel like we want to go into ministry or we want to do something for the kingdom, then friends, we need to be faithful with what we're doing right, right now. I'm going to skip that because I don't need to talk about that. Because I'm not going to put myself out there. Um, Friends, we need to have spiritual label. No, I don't need to pat myself on the back. I I do that enough. Okay. We need to have spiritual labor as well. There's two scriptures that I want to talk about here. And then we're going to go into how we can conquer slothfulness. Does that sound good? Okay, two more scriptures here. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 9 through 12. We're going to read this here. And this is what Paul, or many people believe it's Paul, but there's so many different other uh, commentators that, you know, they really don't know who wrote this. It says, though we speak in the way, in this way, yet in your case, beloved, we feel sure and better things, things that belong to salvation. For God is not unjust as to overlook your work and the love that you have shown for his name in serving the saints, as you still do. And we desire each of you to show the same earnestness and to have the full assurance of hope until the end. So that you may not be sluggish, but intimid- but uh, imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. So the writer of Hebrews is saying that, you know what, in our work for God, we can become sluggish? That's what he's saying, isn't it? Absolutely. Colossians chapter 1, verse 28 through 29. Paul, Paul is kind of a, he has a way of kind of boasting about the things that he's done. And uh, and he gets away with it because it's scripture. So that means the Lord said it is so. <laughs> Colossians chapter 1, verse 28 and 29 says this. It says, he is the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom, so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. He's basically saying we do all this so that people can be mature. To this end, I strenuously contend with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. I love how that says, and I'm going to just go ahead and read in the Amplified. And this is what it says in the Amplified. It says, Him we preach and proclaim warning and admonishing everyone and instructing everyone in all wisdom, comprehensive insight in the ways and purposes of God, that we may present every person mature, which is fully grown, fully initiated, complete and perfect, in Christ, the anointed one. For this I labor unto weakness, striving with all the superhuman energy which he so mightily enkindles and works within me. He's basically saying, I bust my butt for the gospel. That's what he's saying. Translation, I'm busting my butt to preach the gospel so that people can, can be mature. He's boasting, isn't he? Mm-hmm, he is. Hard worker, Paul. Consider the ant and consider Paul. Okay, so here we go. So we've talked a lot about a lot about slothfulness. We've read some passages and proverbs. But how can we conquer slothfulness? There are some things that we can do to help us combat this. If we find ourselves at times being lazy or having tendencies of being slothful or sluggish or any of these things. And these are some things, these are some tools I believe that can help us. Number one, friends, we need to have goals and vision for what we're doing. The Bible says without vision, the people perish is one of the reasons why we named our church vision ministries. People are perishing because they have no vision, because they have no goals, because they have nothing that they're living their life for. And that's a, it's a hard thing, especially with young people. You ask young people and they're in college or excuse me, they're, you know, getting ready to graduate from high school, going to college. Well, what do you want to do with your life? Some of them know, some don't. There's no vision. There's no goals. 
Now, there's a, now, mind you, there are there are a lot of young people that know exactly what they're doing. There's people, they know what they're going to do. They're eight, nine years old. They know what they're going to do, and, they're, and they do it. But without vision, the people perish. And so, friends, in order for us to conquer slothfulness, we need to have goals and vision because then that gives us something to work towards. If you're not working towards anything, then what can happen? What, what is, uh, what's a, a old saying? Idle time is what? The devil's workshop? Mm-hmm. Idle hands, idle time. Yeah, you know what I meant. First Corinthians chapter nine gives us instruction on this. And Paul says, he says that we run the race as to obtain the prize. Meaning what? Meaning you're not running the race aimlessly. No, you're running towards something. Friends, we need to, uh, purposefully have our life focused and pointed at a goal. And obviously our goal is heaven, but we need to have goals here on earth. It's awful quiet in this nice, quiet Catholic church. (laughs) Number two here. This is where it gets tough here. Number two, friends, in order for us to conquer slothfulness, we need to study the principles of diligence. Again, Proverbs chapter 6, verse 6, I, I read that earlier. It says, it says, go to the ant, you sluggard, consider her ways and be wise. Friends, we need to, we need to study what diligence is the pro, the, because if, when we're reading in, in Proverbs and it says sluggish hands do this, but diligent hands do this, then we need to understand what diligence is, correct? Absolutely. Friends, some of the characteristics of diligence are initiative, self-driving, respect for seasons, finishing jobs, having foresight, planning for the future, okay? We need to adopt diligence as a way of life. So if you find yourselves not having initiative, then, then we need to study about having initiative. We need to try to uh, uh, place ourselves in a position where we can actually start taking initiative. Having self-direction, not having other people direct us, but knowing what God has called us to do and going in that direction, we need to have respect for seasons. What does that mean? That means there's a season of plenty and there's a season of famine. And we can see that in the scripture. And what happens? The people that were wise were the ones that stored up for season of famine and uh, during season of blessing. All too often, and I've found myself doing this in my own life, so I have no stones to throw, is in season of blessing, we find ourselves going in and blowing our blessings. When the Lord is giving us a season of bountifulness, because perhaps he sees the, the, the future of us falling into a season where, man, it's going to be tight. Okay? Can anybody say tax income? Right? When we receive that, that, that extra boost or that extra boast, can anyone here honestly said, hey, I took a little bit of that and set, and set some aside and put it in savings? Can anyone say that? Look at that. Just a few hands. Okay? That's... And if you, yeah, and if you have to pay for your, your tax return, okay, then you're, you're exempt of that. Okay. My wife and I, we had to pay. So, but that's a, you know, respecting seasons, finishing jobs. Does anybody here find themselves starting jobs and having a hard time not completing them? Okay. That is, you know, that's, that's, that, that is a tendency of, of sluggishness. And so, so putting ourselves in a position where we complete jobs, having foresight, planning for the future, all these type of things. Number three, here's another thing, being accountable to others. And I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to say this. You know, finding, and, and when I'm talking about accountability, I'm talking about perhaps perhaps you have goals and ambitions and things in your life you want to do. When you say that to people, have somebody hold you accountable. 
So if you want to go to school and do this, let somebody know who can ask you and kind of be on you about it a little bit. So what are you doing about this? You know, well, you know, I want to go to school. I want to do this. Okay. Well, have you, have you applied? You know, having somebody, especially in the city, or I just think probably in general, we have so many people that have like, they have cycles of, of uncompletion in their life. You know that? There are people, especially in poverty, that have cycles of, of uncompletion, uncompletion. And it starts all the way from high school. We don't complete high school. And then we, and then from there, there's this downward spiral of uncompletion. Okay, there's a, there's a young man who's a, uh, not a young man, but anyways, a spiritual son of mine who is, uh, you know, they, they went ahead and, and, uh, got their GED and they're going through, they're going through school and they call me and they tell me, hey, I'm doing this, I'm doing that. I, I, I think it's an honor, not that they're boasting and telling me about what they're doing, because I believe it's a level of accountability. Because when you're telling people and anybody, if you ask anybody of any kind of success, when you tell people about that, it almost kind of puts it on you a little bit to either you, you, either you're just going to go ahead and, and be a person that just talks a lot of fluff, or you're going to have to actually follow through with what you say. I don't know about you, but I like to be a person of my word. If I tell somebody I'm going to do something, I want to do it. So in the same in the same aspect, that's what that's what I'm saying. Being accountable, have somebody that you can say, "Hey, look, these are some things I want to do," and and let them be be willing to ask you. Okay, well, what are you doing about that, friends? I'm telling you, that's one way of conquering slothfulness. And then number four, I've got uh, two more. Number four, obey the Holy Spirit. Friends, we need to learn to obey the Holy Spirit. When He says go, we need to say, "Okay, I'm going." I'm telling you, one of the things that that I find in our in our in our Christian walk is when the Lord tells us to do something and we don't do it. How many of us know that I mean the Lord has called us to do things and we know, we know, we know, we know. And even just thinking about it because we're not doing that. We're like, oh well, you know. Friends, if we want to conquer slothfulness, we need to listen to the Holy Spirit. How many of us know God knows better for us than we know for ourselves? <laughs> we need to obey his promptings. We need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Okay, and uh, this is what, this is, I seen this post, uh, and this was powerful. I was like, wow, because I'm like, you know what, I'm going to just, I'm going to redirect the way I pray. Because often I pray for God to give me strength, or I pray for God to give people strength. And this post said this, it said, don't ask God to give strength. The Lord himself is your strength. That's kind of a different viewpoint on it. When I read that, I'm like, wow, that's powerful. Instead of asking God for strength, how about I rest in him who can be my strength? I thought that was pretty good. And then number five, and this is the one, this is the clincher of them all, friends. You get this one, you'll get all of them. You get this one, you'll be able to conquer slothfulness. You'll be able to sucker punch that puppy and put him down. And that's number five, develop the art of discipline. Develop the art of discipline. Okay, how many of us know that if we are a follower of Christ, we are called a disciple of Christ? What is a disciple? A student. What does a student do? They, they study. They learn. And then what do they do? They take tests and they apply what they've learned. Friends, in order for us to, to be a, a, a full follower of Christ, then friends, we need to develop the art of discipline. Isn't it funny that disciple is in the word discipline? Notice that? Look at that. Disciple, add an E right at the end of the L. Disciple. And these are some things, and I'm just throwing them out there. Let the Lord speak to you about this. 
Some ways that we can develop the art of discipline is by fasting. You want to you bring your flesh into subjection fast. Here's another one. Wake up early. Uh-oh. Step on toes. Wake up early. Many of you guys are older. Maybe you wake up early already because of your, your time clock of your body. <laughs> Exercise. Exercise is a way of, of developing discipline because what you're doing is you're forcing your body to do something that your mind doesn't want to do. But let me tell you this, friends. Anytime, anytime people exercise, including myself, afterwards, man, you just feel so great. It just works. Okay? Here it is. Uh-oh, Lord. Time management. You want to develop the art of discipline, then we need to manage our time better. I read this, and this is powerful. I'm like, whoo, Lord, help me. Time is life's most valuable resource. Once it's spent, it's gone forever. I'm going to say that one more time. Time is life's most valuable resource. Once spent, it is gone forever. There have been studies that have asked people that are in the later years of their life, perhaps getting ready to pass into eternity, if you could go back and do something better, what would you do? Do you know what the majority of the people said? It had something to do with how they spent their time. And it was either spending their time with their family or spending their time doing this or spending, and they would, the, the one thing that they can't get back is the one thing they wish they, they could do better. And that would be manage their time or spend their time better. Developing the art of discipline, perhaps you need to look at your sleep patterns. Maybe you're not getting enough sleep, friends. Uh, part of, part of ha- living healthy is you gotta have at least seven hours of sleep. Maybe you're getting too much sleep. Maybe you're sleeping like 12 hours. You need to shave that down a little bit. You know, and these are just, these are just things. I'm just throwing these out there. You gotta, these are examples. Let the Lord speak to you about what you need to do. But, but whatever it is, friends, we gotta develop the art of discipline. That's the only, that is the, the most imperative way for us to conquer slothfulness or sluggishness or laziness or whatever you want to call it. Would you stand to your feet with me today? Again, I share this with grace because as I studied this, I felt the Lord checking me in a, in, a, in a bunch of areas. I just want to share this because there's an encouragement at the end. And like I said, these are tough topics. And the one Pastor Joy is going to share with next week is going to be tough too. But the Bible says that we can do all things through Christ who gives us strength. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to be the one like the servant that was called wicked and lazy. I don't want to be that one. And so let's pray. Let's just ask God. Lord, we thank you. Lord, you have called your church, God, to be brilliant, to be beautiful. God, you've called us, Lord, God, to be, Father, the God, pure and spotless. And, and Lord, we thank you that you have already done everything for us. Your word even says, God, that, that salvation is not by works that no man can boast. It's by grace through faith. And, Lord, we receive that salvation through that. But, God, your word also says that we are to follow you. God, we are to honor you. God, we're to, we're to walk in fear and trembling, Lord. And so, 
God, we are to work with fear and trembling. And Lord, we want the things that we do to honor you. So Father, in the name of Jesus, God, if we, if we self-evaluate and we look inside and we say, yeah, I have tendencies of laziness. Yeah, I have tendencies of, of being a sluggard or slothful. And Lord, I don't want to be like that. Can you just repent right now? Could you just ask God to forgive you? Just say, God, forgive me right now of attitudes or tendencies of laziness, God. And I want to honor you. I want to honor you today, God. I want to live a life that's pleasing and honor to you and honoring to you, God. So, Father, I thank you. Even as we read, men have, have more natural tendencies. Lord, I thank you. God, I thank you that, God, that we would be diligent. I speak diligence right now in the name of Jesus over Vision Ministries. I speak diligence for those that are listening through SoundCloud. I speak diligence over those that are listening. Father, we thank you that we would have a heart that's diligent towards you in the mighty and powerful name of Jesus. Lord, let us live a life, oh God, that excellence honors you, God, and reflects your character. Help us to work with excellence. Help us to live on a Father, on a level of excellence. Lord, and it's not something we can do in our own strength. Lord, we want you to be our strength. God, we want to rest and reside inside of you. So, Father, we thank you today. Let us be the men and women that honor you with all that we say and do. We ask this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Friends, I want to say thank you for joining with us today. God bless you. We're super excited about... uh, what's coming up with Hoop for Hope. We hope you can join with us. Um, If you're a first or second time guest, please uh, greet Pastor Joy uh, in the back. She'll love to greet with you. If you would like for us to join and pray with you about anything, we'll take time to do that as well. If you come up front, we'll pray with you about whatever you need prayer for. Friends, God bless you. Enjoy the rest of your Sunday. Have a great weekend.